0: Blob Talk Radio. Good afternoon. you Guys, I almost said good morning. You know, i off the shelf. generally comes on Saturday mornings, but our guest has been so amazingly flexible and really appreciate that we were talking just for a few seconds before we went on live. And this is like her 700th and something interview in 30 different countries. So I want to thank all of you who are tuning in to this Friday evening. This might be our first Friday in 14 years, our Friday evening airing live off the shelf. We are on primetime, you guys, so I want to thank you. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, you are absolutely listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf, and welcome to this Friday, August the 16th. Thank you so much for joining us. Before I go introduce to you this awesome guest, I just want to leave a thought with you, and then ask you a few questions. And the thought I'm leaving is, your limitation is only your imagination. Neville Goddard is somebody who writes, who wrote a lot about that and spoke about it. Your limitation—it's only your imagination. Think about that as you go through your day, uh, and, and think about your dreams and your goals and how you're going to achieve them. Now off the shelf listeners, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can finger the person who's responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond and his friend's life? And they are in college. Raymond has just come to college. He and his father have a very complicated relationship as his father has untreated alcoholism. but there's also a soulmate relationship in there. So you think about what do you value Will this book, will I enjoy this book? What's this book about? What do I value if the two connect? I really encourage you to get a copy of Love for Over Me. If you're one of those whodunits, you like a murder mystery, because that's also tucked in the book, I encourage you to stop by Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble now, right now, and get yourself a copy of Love for Over Me. You can start reading and enjoying it tonight. Another question I have for you is, how much do you value relationships and love? How long would you wait to experience a once in a lifetime romance? This is the type of relationship that you were meant to be in so you could awaken or continue to advance. How long would you wait? Would you wait as long as Raymond and Brenda? And would you think it was worth it if it if what you wanted didn't come right away? If this is something you value, I really encourage you to get a copy. Of Love for Over Me. It's in print and in e-book format. Please hop over, get your copy of Love for Over Me today, right now, and let me know how you enjoyed the book. And I am so excited. This show today is very different from any other show that we have done. The the author, when she comes on, her books are works of fiction, but they deal with real life issues things that are happening right under our nose, and we just either, I don't think we're ignoring it. I don't think we are that aware of it. So hopefully she will help to raise awareness. Now our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Nancy Hartwell. Nancy is a world traveler. She has visited 44 countries. Off-the-shelf listeners, BBC has produced her radio plays, and books that Nancy has offered include Voices from the Harem, Prince Abram's favorite, and harem slave. In addition to writing books, Nancy provides editing and translation services. She is a highly experienced public speaker, particularly as it regards human trafficking and keeping women safe from this horrific practice. Please, please, please go and visit Miss Nancy Hartwell online at nancyhartwell.com. And I'm going to spell that N A N dot com. Again, that's N-A-N-C-Y-H-A-R-T-W-E-L-L.com, nancyhartwell.com. We are delighted to have Nancy with us this evening. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Nancy.
1: And I'm delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Oh, my goodness. And just this is a topic. I hope we start to hear more of not only on the radio but in newspapers magazines, social media on television more and more and more, because I gotta tell you, I hardly knew anything about it. You just don't hear that much about it and i don't I don't know why because there are some staggering numbers around this, so before we really go into talking about your books and the topic that it centers around, and this is a very important topic. I'm going to ask you a few questions that I ask every off the shelf guest because our listeners like to get a little backstory on the guests before we start talking about their books. So, okay. to the could you tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up?
1: Well, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. <clears throat>
0: I moved
1: away when I went to college and life kind of took over, and it took me 52 years to get back, but I finally made it, and I moved back here four years ago, and I'm loving, loving, loving this wonderful city. Um, Growing up for me was pretty good. Uh, We were in a middle, 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 middle middle-class family. We had camping vacations because that was all we could afford. Uh, My dad worked for the Boy Scouts, then he w- became a director for a Center for uh, Mentally Handicapped People here in Tampa. It is a world-renowned center, and people visit here from all over the world to find out what the McDonald Training Center does for people with mental handicaps. My dad kept saying, you have to think about what they can do and not what they can't do. Um, Then I I went to college in Washington D.C., where I uh, met and married um, a guy from Cameroon. He was working on his doctorate as a Ford Fellowship, Ford Foundation fellow, and so I we got married and I lived in Cameroon for 14 years. Uh, That's pretty much my. My my background. By the way, we were the first chocolate and vanilla couple to get married in the state of Maryland in nineteen sixty
0: seven. Oh my good look at you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you nothing gonna stop nothing is gonna stop you know what I, I really am, admire, you know, starting a show. Go after what it is you really want. Don't let other people decide that that for you. Good good for you. And you know, when I was researching for the today's show i'm thinking to myself she's from london so (laughs) you said florida it kind of threw me for a loop because you've worked with the bbc so that's why i thought you were from the uk now what did you dream of becoming when you were a, a child has your path followed the path you thought it would
1: um pretty much when i was eight years old i said i wanted to be a writer and I have become a writer. Um, now, it, it took a few detours along the way, but um, I've always loved words, loved languages, loved everything about words, where they come from. I pull them apart, put them back together again, try to figure out what they really mean. Um, I, I love uh, the relationships among languages. Especially the unexpected ones. I'll give you one example. The Alcazar in Spain, the Moorish fortress, actually means in Arabic, Al Qasr means the fortress. But if you change the R in Qasr to an L, you get castle. Ta da! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Who knew?
0: <laughs> anyway, oh there are
1: there are lots, lots and lots of relationships of of between words that you would never in a million years suspect. And I love trying to to scope these out and figure them out and play with them.
0: Eight years old. So what happened to make you? What inspired you you to pursue writing and birthed your love for books. What happened at eight years old to make you know I want to be a writer?
1: Well, I published my first poem uh, in We Wisdom Magazine, which was a nationwide magazine, and it was called My Garden. And I thought, Oh, wow! This is really, this is really fun. <laughs> um, but I, I've always just felt like I needed to to write. It's always just been been something that I needed to do and um I'm I'm so glad that life has made it possible for me to do what I really love to do.
0: I have to ask you this. I, I was reading something by Matt Damon the actor and he was saying how a lot of times especially as creatives we 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 want something magical to happen uh to so we can do what it is we love, paint, write, music. We just sort of sell, and we'll make enough money so that that's all we have to do. You At eight years old, you knew you wanted to be a writer. If you had to name, and this wasn't a question I was initially going to ask you, if you had to name one thing you think that made the difference between wanting, wishing, dreaming to be a writer and actually making it happen, what would you say that one thing was that made the difference?
1: Okay, my dad. Um, I wrote a poem one time, and I was really proud of it, and I showed it to him, and he said, this stinks. And I said, what? He said, look, it has this problem, it has this problem, it has this problem. You just kind of threw this together. You didn't really craft it. You can do better than this. Now go rewrite this and I came up with the poem that was published in We Wisdom. Having somebody tell you the way it is instead of saying, oh, this is really great, darling, uh, that makes a big difference in your life.
0: Mm, Interesting. I'm sure there were many other things you did so that those books sold as well. Now, to go into talking about, your books, according to Global Impact, each year approximately 40.3 million people are caught up in sex slave trafficking. Now, in Atlanta alone, these numbers were just shocking to me. In Atlanta alone, about 4,000 people a year become victims of sex slavery. And again, the numbers are just so staggering 40.3 million. And yet, many don't even know that this is happening. Right. We don't even know it's happening. What, what alerted you, Nancy, to this horrific crime? What, what piqued your interest in human trafficking?
1: That's a great question. When I was living in Cameroon, I had a beautiful German friend named Ursula. And one day, she just went missing. They found her bicycle next to the road, but nobody has seen or heard from Ursula since. Well, several weeks later, we heard rumors that were probably true that she had been sold to a sultan in Libya. Oh. Well, that spooked me really to the bones. And because I kept thinking, holy Toledo, that could have been me.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I started collecting stories And once people know that you're interested in this topic, you're bombarded with stories. So that was like 45 years ago. And finally, when I, quote, retired, unquote, I don't know how I ever had time to have a job, frankly. (laughs) But anyway, I finally had time to sit down and put these stories into a, a readable form. The flagship book by the way of my human trafficking series, Harem Slave, reached number 7 in all fiction on Amazon, and wow. it has been translated into Spanish, French, and German. It also won an award. This was success beyond my wildest dreams, um, but it really is a good read. And it's very revealing about the life that a sex slave leads. Um, it's about a girl from Maryland. She graduates from high school. And her parents send her on a, on a graduation trip to visit some friends in Marseille. And she goes to the Arab Quarter to buy some souvenirs for her family and she's kidnapped and to her utter disbelief she winds up in the harem of an 81 year old sheik and she can't believe what a detour her life has taken and the rest of the book is about how she copes with trying to stay sane and and she's dumped you know over here and over there and and um it's just an incredibly horrible life but she is finally rescued now that is not usual but um i needed that to happen in this particular book um and then there's a sequel about about uh that's called prince ibrahim's favorite and the, a companion volume to that that's called uh voices from the harem it's a collection of 111 true stories um, about the women who find themselves in this one prince's harem, uh, how they got there, how, how they're trying to stay sane, and not all of them have succeeded, um, how they were betrayed, um, just how this crime happens in, in various forms. Uh, but you'll see a lot of common threads.
0: Oh my goodness! So, so did they ever find you? Said they never found you, like your friend. No, they never found her. No, but I, I think about her nearly
1: every day, wondering what kind of life she had, and if, and if this, Sultan was even halfway decent person, or if he was some kind of pervert, or you know, it, it, it really <clears throat> gnaws at you. Um, when you know somebody who's been a victim of this crime, it 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 really makes it, it brings it to life, and makes it even more horrible.
0: Wow! Now the movie takes and is just joking. between
1: you and me, I can't imagine a worse crime. I mean, they don't steal your wallet; that messes you up for a few weeks. They steal you. They steal your dreams. Your hopes, your aspirations, they steal you away from everything you've ever known and loved. And they turn you into a thing, and, I mean, how horrible can that be?
0: Yes. I mean, it's it's slavery, period. Your life is like, it's like somebody else just decided, your life is mine, and I'm going to do with you, whether it's labor slavery or sex slavery, I'm going to do with you what I want. I just think that has to be of that the audacity of somebody to even think of that is uh, astounding. Now the movie Taken showed people that human trafficking it continues. That was a, a bit of eye opener, but uh, how many people watched that and thought that it's just a movie? And you know, it may never. Well, it, it may.
1: It was pretty accurate. Of course, Hollywood had to do its thing, but. But fundamentally, that was a very accurate film. Um, There was one big compromise that they made. Instead of having this trade um, controlled by the Russian mafia, they had it controlled by Albanians. Um, (laughs)
0: uh,
1: But in reality, the international slave trade these days is largely controlled by the Russian mafia. These are professional criminals they know what they are doing. They know all the tricks. They used to just operate in Russia and uh, and Eastern Europe, but they noticed that there was a vacuum, so now their tentacles are absolutely everywhere. But the movie did a great service into bringing this crime, at least for a while, into the forefront of people's brains.
0: Yeah, I wonder how many people, though, did think this is just a movie. nothing like this really happens that 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 that's the part. Maybe if they had a as the the credits were rolling, they showed stats so people could see this is this is really going on even now. How can nancy how can people protect themselves from human trafficking? okay, well
1: first, parents, please 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 please, please, please monitor your kids' social media sites. There are lots of predators out there. They well there are predators playing computer games with your with your kids and they're pretending to be other eleven year olds, okay? Um there are lots of websites that put ads that try to attract young people. Anything that a fourteen year old girl would Go bananas over, like some lucrative modeling job, or a part in a movie, or participating in a hot new band. Think of the three M's movies, music, modeling. Okay? But, and they go to great lengths to make the office look authentic. Okay?
0: The girl shows
1: up for an appointment, and the guy's on a fake phone call uh, pretending that he's doing the casting for a remake of a major Hollywood hit, okay? Then he finally acknowledges her and says, Okay, sweetie, do you have time to sit down and chat for a few minutes, or is somebody waiting for you? Now, she hears the first part things oh hot diggity he's taking me seriously I've actually got a shot at this but what he's really asking is have you come alone okay Hmm. and uh, uh, parenthetically and unprotected okay if she says well my my dad had to drop something off at his karate studio but he said he'd be back in 10 minutes she will not get, quote, the job, okay, but if she says, no, that's okay, I, I, uh, nobody's waiting, I have time, he'll actually sit down, chat with her for a few minutes, get her so excited she's just about ready to f- fly to the moon without a rocket, okay, then he'll say, um, let me show you the studio, well, it's a closet, and he dumps her in and locks the door. Then he calls his broker, Boris or Arkadi or whoever it may be, and within a couple hours, she's boxed up, drugged, um, marked with that, like some kind of industrial equipment, and on an airplane uh, where she's headed to a harem or a brothel on the Persian Gulf.
0: Oh, my Listen, goodness. Uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah a good-looking blonde easily retails for more than 100,000 dollars on the Persian Gulf. You know, it's
0: 100,000 dollars. Yes. You know, I when I was doing my research, this is uh, this and this whatever, this crime is uh, uh, like 100 billion and, and There's so much money in this it, it you know, and I think about Jeffrey Epstein, but he's probably uh-huh. small, small compared to small potatoes. I mean, you just, yeah, it's just it's yeah. just it's just, it, it's just tragic that again it's happening right under our noses. There we could be passing people in, in the grocery store involved in this and don't even know and it not,
1: and not have a, a clue. Absolutely. Well, just think if one girl can sell for a hundred thousand dollars. That means 10, that's a million dollars, okay? And if you have to bribe some people along the way, well, that's just part of the cost of doing business, and there are crooked customs agents and immigration officers everywhere, okay? So, yeah, um, and they don't care that they're destroying people's lives. They're just in it for the money. Now after illicit drugs human trafficking is the biggest illicit business on the planet today it is a multi billion dollar yes. international enterprise
0: uh, and that it,
1: it, really it, spooks me
0: yeah it when i saw how much how much money is involved in it like i said it's over 100 billion i i I said there are a lot of players in this. There are so many people, like you said, illegal drugs, and then this is next. It's just uh, in insane, uh, and it's and nobody seems to know it's happening. That is the part that is is is. There's so many people involved in it, and yet they are somehow able to keep it quiet, so nobody. I don't know. Maybe right. there are people people in power. Who are actually themselves participating, so they they wouldn't do anything about it. So I want to talk about a little bit more about your book, Harem Slave. Okay. I had Tammy. It's just like in a movie Taken. I'm I'm watching these girls, and you said how parents can protect their kids on social media. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, these young girls are so silly, and, and nobody should be taken, but. At least be a little bit Smarter I, That's that's what I When I was watching that movie The <laughs> girls were a little too carefree Now had Tammy Had she heard about human trafficking Did she? Was it something she just thought Oh no and she's carefree What was Tammy like Was this like so Was she what so was, called she, she,
1: she, she wasn't really Naive or stupid She was an honor roll student um, But She didn't really believe what she had heard. And her grandmother had come to her in a dream and said, don't go to France. Something horrible is going to happen there. But she already had her ticket. And it was France. What could possibly go wrong, you know? Um, Her friend, who dropped her off at the Arab quarter, warned her said be really careful. You know, these places here don't have a very good reputation because sometimes girls just disappear. Don't ever let the shopkeeper get between you and the exit. And no matter what they say, don't ever go downstairs to the basement. Well, she took these warnings sort of seriously. But she wanted to try on this beautiful embroidered caftan. And the the um, dressing room wasn't in the basement. And it had a door that could close, so she thought she would be safe. Well, she goes in, and there are two guys inside the dressing room. And one girl can't fight two guys, so they overpowered her. So even taking, you know, some precautions isn't always enough.
0: Mm. Wow. You just got
1: to...
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to really, really, really be on your toes. Do they target like a certain age group, like in that movie Taken? I'm assuming well, they they would well yeah,
1: young people, girls and boys are the the real targets. Um say between like like eleven and eighteen. Oh, yeah. And and of course children. There's there seems to be a bottomless market for pedophiles. So, so boys and girls are at risk here. Um, and labor slavery is actually much more prevalent than sex slavery. For example, the facilities for the World Cup that is going to take place in 2020 in Qatar, they're under construction with slave labor. They send recruiters to nearby poor countries offering fabulous jobs. They get a lot of volunteers. They pay for their transportation to Qatar. Then as soon as they get there, suddenly all the rules change. And these poor guys are are sleeping on concrete. They're working 18-hour days under 130-degree heat. The Conditions are so horrible that they have been averaging a death a day and hardly anybody knows.
0: That's the thing. I, it, 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 just like when that, uh, the story broke on uh, the, uh, he, Jeffrey Epstein, but there's other stories that have broken about wealthy people or famous people just doing horrific yeah. things.
1: You're like, how yeah. did
0: they keep that quiet for so yeah. long? It ha- yeah. had to have been other people who knew because you think if this had been somebody, I don't know, but then the house in Cleveland, that, right. that guy wasn't right. wealthy in the house in Cleveland, and, and look how long that went on. No, and Ten your years, go, right, right, right. Your, neighbor, your neighbors go back and forth in front of the house, and nobody suspects that this is happening right under their nose. Now, now, what what do Tammy's parents do? How long is Tammy missing before her parents know she's missing? And is that a tip you two would leave with a parent? You got to check in with your child every day.
1: Well, she was only missing for a few hours before her parents knew, because the friends in Marseille alerted them, and Tammy's father spent the entire five years that she was a slave looking for her and trying to rescue her. Now, not every parent would do that. Some would just kind of grieve and give up. Um, But Tammy's dad was a a particularly loving and dedicated father who never, never gave up. Um, And when Tammy was finally rescued, she said that that was what had kept her alive, was knowing that her dad was still looking for her because she got occasionally indirect indications that he was still trying to rescue her. It's extremely important for the victims to know that somebody out there still cares. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Is, you know what, if this was a, 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 a something that wasn't going on in real life, it, it wouldn't be so, we know from even slavery in the U.S. to Africa and the that People will do these things to each other. So to say, oh, nobody would ever do that. They already have. So uh, you just how do you really, really protect yourself? you got to be alert. You can't every, – every smile and face, is, face does not mean you will. You have to be smart. And then, if, like you say, job interviews, and this is something I heard right. years, years ago. They asked you to – got a big modeling thing or whatever – don't go uh-huh. on any interviews don't go on any interviews that aren't with a major company somewhere it it can't, or, it can't be some or don't go alone um yeah,
1: yeah i've I've heard about girls who went on interviews you know they left milk in the refrigerator they 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 left dirty clothes you know in the washing machine um they were planning to come back. Okay, and there's an ad that's circled, you know, a one ad that's circled. Uh huh. Um, my website, and you already pointed out my website, there's a five part course on modern day slavery and human trafficking. If you're interested in this topic, please download that course. You just click on it and download it. Um, And there's a wealth of information on there about how these predators operate, the different forms that slavery takes these days. For instance, in India, there's something that's very common called debt slavery. Let's say you want to get married and you don't have any money. So you borrow $500 from somebody and you promise that you'll work for two years to pay it off. Okay? Sounds easy enough. What he kind of forgets to tell you, though, is that you have to buy your food from him, and so you never, ever get the debt paid off, and you'll end up working 35 years to pay off that $500, okay? This is very common. Um, In Southeast Asia, The fishing industry is heavily dependent on slave labor. If you have seafood in your freezer from Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, or Thailand, there's about an 80% chance that it involved slave labor. And just like the Persian Gulf, they send recruiters to nearby poor countries offering fabulous jobs, They get lots of people who sign up voluntarily. You know, it's a lot easier when you can get volunteers to come rather than kidnap them, right? Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. But as soon as they get there, once again, the rules all change. And if these guys don't perform up to snuff, they just dump them overboard.
0: Wow. CNN actually did
1: a commentary uh, commentary on that several years ago because there was a a Cambodian um, who recognized one of the cameramen as another Cambodian, and he said, wait a minute, buddy, I got something I need to tell you.
0: (laughs) Wow. Uh
1: Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. This happens all the time. I mean, you mentioned 40 million people. The State Department estimates that it's at least 30 million people that are in slavery or in slavery-like conditions around the world. And this is more than at any other time in human history. I thought we had gone beyond that by now. Nope. It's getting worse and worse and worse.
0: It's so sad. So it's just tragic. So, so it's so tragic. These are happening to real people and I really thank you for 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 using a novel that hopefully can attract more and more people to tell this story. Now, do you write about Tammy's life, Nancy after she returns home? Do you do you do you uh cover her life in well, the book? there
1: there is a sequel. Um it's called Prince Ibrahim's Favorite. Um and Prince Ibrahim is a major character in Harem Slave. Um, he he becomes her owner at one point and leases her to a brothel, but he k- kind of becomes infatuated with her. And um, and when she's rescued, then he gets all bent out of shape because she doesn't belong to him anymore. And. Oh my God. She actually gets married, and he kidnaps her again, and so he can control her. Um, it's pretty wild, but um, um, you you need to read all three of these all three of these books, and that will give you a very well-rounded view of of the life that sex slaves lead on the at least on the Persian Gulf, and that's where the money is. Some of, the, some of these some of these sheiks and princes they have so much money i mean they've already got a garage full of maseratis and lamborghinis okay they've already got a stable full of arabian thoroughbreds so the next thing okay they need a really well stocked harem and some of these guys own hundreds of women hundreds mm. I mean, it's like Imelda Um, Marcos and her shoes. Nobody's ever going to use 3,800 pairs of shoes. But it's just a joy of collecting.
0: Yeah, This is just so, so tragic, but it has to be told. Can you describe Tammy? What was she like before she was captured in a human trafficking? What is she like in book two, Prince Abraham's Favorite?
1: Okay. Well, Tammy is a really nice girl. She was an honor roll student. She has been accepted to Georgetown School of Foreign Service. She wants to be a diplomat like her dad. She speaks Spanish and French. Um, And she's a very, very good-hearted person. And she cannot believe what has happened to her. But she's also very kind-hearted, And after a couple things happen, she begins to realize that her owners are simply other human beings wrestling with their own set of demons. And as soon as she realizes that these are other human beings, it transforms the relationships. And she actually makes friends with one of her owners who has a big problem he's impotent and she helps him with that problem and then several years later of course he helps her get rescued um, she she is very kind hearted very strong willed very religious um, not not a religious fanatic, but she has a very strong and abiding faith in God. She prays, okay, God, uh, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and she gets answered. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so she's,
0: what is, she's a what, very, very good person. What is Prince Abraham like? I don't like him already. What is he, what is he like? <laughs> okay, well,
1: he is fabulously wealthy. He's a a metals trader. Um, he grew up as, as a spoiled but um, unhappy young boy. Only one person ever really loved him and that was his Italian nanny. And his mother was always too busy to deal with him. His his father hardly ever slime, his big brothers resented the fact he wanted to tag along behind him, so here he was, fabulously wealthy but miserable and um, uh, he's pretty much a control freak he's he loves everything Italian because of his nanny and it turns out that that he got really bad drunk one day when he was 17 and accidentally killed his nanny. And that uh, did some awful things to his brain. And so he's mentally unstable on top of everything else. But he's, ex- he's extremely good-looking, extremely sexy, and... um. And Tammy has very, very mixed feelings about him. On the one hand, she feels sorry for him. On the other hand, she's scared to death of him. (laughs) Um, So it's a very, very complex uh, relationship. And uh, by the way, Prince Ibrahim, sometimes when I was writing this book, he would wake me up at night screaming at me. That's not what I said, you idiot. And I'd say okay, 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 and then I'd go fix it. Um, um, these you know these what? characters were so real to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Oh my goodness! How? When did this this human trafficking? and now, slavery is is so old. It's in the Bible. It's it's. Uh, it is. It, you know, I think you had to let your slaves go at the, on the seventh after seven years in the Bible, but. It's it, it. We're going back thousands of years that it's been going on, but when did like this human trafficking now? Do you know when it started to really pick up again?
1: Um, I think in the 1950s, wow. when the yeah, when the Arab countries started getting piles and piles and piles of oil revenue, and they didn't know what to do with it. And by the way. Slavery is still absolutely legal in countries where the Sharia is the predominant law. Muhammad himself owned slaves. He was very kind to them. Um, And the Quran says that if you need a special blessing, you should emancipate a slave. But since the prophet did it, that means it's okay. Yeah. So so slavery is still legal in much of the Arab world. Now, in Saudi Arabia, where a lot of this continues, um, King Faisal issued a royal decree in 1962 that theoretically outlawed slavery. However, that was just for international consumption because man-made law can never outdo divine law and the divine law as revealed in the quran allows slavery so slavery is still absolutely legal even in saudi arabia where it was officially outlawed
0: it it seems like it sounds like we're going back in time but we're not and again just to keep putting more exposure on this topic. I'm telling you, in Atlanta, if you go to the Atlanta airport, you will see stickers and notices around human trafficking, alerting young women to be careful, don't go with strangers, report anything, because 4,000 people a year in Atlanta alone. And I've seen commercials about it. I wish every
1: airport did that. I I saw that in the Atlanta airport, too. And I wanted to to go hug whoever... had had put those posters up. Um, one very easy way, by the way, to help combat this crime, if you live near a major highway that has rest areas, post signs in the stalls of all the women's restrooms that say, if somebody is taking you somewhere and you don't want to go, borrow a telephone and call this number Put that in four or five different languages. That has saved dozens of women every year, and it costs almost nothing.
0: Yes, just just time. If you, if, especially if you travel a lot, that's something I have to make a note of. Just put, just make some flyers. Keep them on hand the when I'm traveling. Stop in the rest center. Post it up. Uh, and and the, it, it 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 takes nothing to do that. It takes it takes nothing right to right to do that.
1: Now, also, if you're traveling overseas, um, you need to be especially careful. I, My sister had a friend in who went on her honeymoon to Morocco. And they were visiting the souks, which you have to do in Morocco. And her husband wanted to see one thing. She wanted to look at something else. So they said, okay, meet you back here in five minutes. Well, she didn't come back. Uh, Fortunately, her husband knew exactly where she had gone. And so he went around to the back of that souk and found his bride bound and gagged.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: It took him two hours to get her back, but he finally succeeded. Oh. I had some friends who were visiting Rabat with their two children, a 12-year-old boy and a 9-year-old girl, and the little girl ran ahead a few meters. Somebody grabbed her and took off with her. They went to the police. The police said, oh, yeah, sorry about that. That happened."
0: Wow. They never saw oh, their daughter again. God.
1: So you need to be careful, especially in Muslim countries. Um, um, and by the way, under Islamic law, 11 years old is prime time.
0: Yeah, that is
1: not I considered mean, pedophilia.
0: No, even yeah, like in parts of Africa too. It's it's um, like you said, 11 or 12, you're you're an adult. And, and it's, yeah. everything is not the same way that it is in 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 the United States, and it's it's just so tragic. And it is, is going on in the United States. I actually, when I lived in a suburb of Atlanta, that a, a, a upscale neighborhood, they had it on the news this was going on in one of the houses out there. It, it, it yes. Just, uh, once again, it's it's could be in a suburb in the United States. You just you're just totally unaware that it's happening again, right? Right under your nose. Now, in, in in in. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Do the do the uh, the women in the books that you write. Do they, and even in real life, from from your research and people you've heard about, do these women ever think about? And uh, this is something sometimes about slavery in the United States. I would wonder because slaves outnumbered plantation owners ten to one. I'm told, so you wonder why didn't they ever. Get together and say, let's just jump Them, let's jump these people And get out of here, but do they think About banding together and breaking out
1: um, Yes um, But but They are under such Severe control uh, Psychological And physical That it is very, very Difficult um, In Prince Ibrahim's Favorite, there are some girls in his Harem who are plotting to murder him but they get found out <laughs> um yeah um it's it's very very difficult to understand how profound the control that these people have over you they now remember most of these people were were enslaved at a very young age, say 11, Uh, 13 years old and they have been lied to and deceived their whole lives Um, Uh, so it's and they've been under somebody's control their whole lives so they begin to think that that's almost normal. The psychological damage that this does to people is immeasurable. I used to work with a A rescue center in Baltimore that helped girls that they had rescued from the streets. And the director said, You know, Nancy, they never ever get over this. They learn how to cope, but they are scarred profoundly for life. In fact, some of them go back to the streets because. In a grotesque way, that's what they know. That's their sense of security. Can you believe that? Um,
0: yeah. You, you, you know, <laughs> um, that's mama, that's the the,
1: the 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 psychological damage.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking here as again, uh, as an African American, I think about slavery itself, and you. Again, it's the it, it's psychological damage, and the person controlling knows what they're doing. The, and, and domestic violence is another one. People say, well, why don't you just leave? The, the, right. You don't realize the control this person has, psychologically has. that is a very has. good
1: analogy. That is a very good analogy. Kids. Yes, and so yes.
0: You, you, you keep going if back. If you're so miserable, well, Just
1: leave. Yeah, well, it's not that easy. And if you do leave... Two weeks later, the cops find your body. Yeah. Um, uh, It is is not easy. And it's a very, very complex crime uh, with very complex results. But we really do need to forget the Venetian blind effect. Oh, no, 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 don't bother me with that. I don't want to hear about that. We need to recognize that this is taking place in luxury suburbs of Atlanta, in in rural communities in Iowa. It's everywhere. Would you believe that the it, um, prostitution in nail salons and massage parlors became such a problem in Canton, Ohio, that the police, When they wanted to raid one of these places, they would take Mandarin interpreters with them to help convince the ladies that they weren't there to cause them more trouble. They were there to help them. Canton, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio is evidently the headquarters of one of the biggest prostitution rings in the whole
0: eastern U.S. Who knew? Yeah. Again, and it's how these crimes are kept so quiet. Some crimes are are spotlighted, like, uh, uh, again, illegal drugs, they're spotlighted, and some are just kept so hushed, hushed. Cults are another one. Cults, Cults exist right in suburbs, and people don't know that there's a cult right next door to you, and you have no idea that that is even going on now as we come into the end of today's uh show can you tell us what types of organizations do you speak to about human trafficking
1: any organization that i can um i i talk to civic groups like rotary club kiwanis i talk to church groups like methodist men i talk to youth groups um Eighth grade is a really good time to start talking about this with our young people because that's when they become the real targets. Um, And by the way, if you know a young person who's planning to run away from home, please, please, please help them find some other solution because they've got a target on them the size of Texas. Um, There are predators looking for runaways And they help them for a few days and get their confidence, and then they say, okay, now, sweetie, you owe me big time here, and then they move in for the kill. So please help these young people not run away from home. Help them find some other solution. Salvation Army, anything where they can stay even for a few weeks um, so they're, they're not on a park bench or not. In a bus station somewhere, with this target on them, they these predators can spot them at fifty meters, and they will make their lives even more miserable than life is at home.
0: Um, yeah, and there's a there's an organization. I I I think it's in Atlanta. I know I heard about it in New York. I can't think of the name of it, but it helps uh, runaways because sometimes home is just. A nightmare for some kids Impossible. As well. Right, Right, yeah, it's, right, it, so maybe right. A, but, a they is, uh-huh. but they don't know what hell is. Uh huh.
1: But they don't know what hell is like until they've been on the street. Um, yeah, yeah. There yeah, are organizations a, a in members, most
0: a church, a church just go to maybe a, 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 or a school a church. counselor. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. Most big cities have organizations that do. Provide shelter for kids that would run away from home. There are most big cities also have organizations that help try to combat this crime. Many places have task forces against human trafficking. The problem is we have very, it's kind of a Swiss cheese effect here. Um, we'll have one county that's really strict against this. Well, guess what? The traffickers go to the county next door. Where they're a whole lot more nonchalant. Um, we need a nationwide crackdown, um, and it just hasn't it just hasn't happened. Um, uh, but there are nationwide organizations also that help pre- try to prevent this crime, like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Polaris. Um, there are other other groups that work nationwide and even internationally to try to combat this crime. They are always, always, always looking for support. Financial, if if you see it in your heart to donate some money to them, they will love you to pieces. If you can volunteer and help them, they will love you to pieces. Um, but each community is a little bit different and you need to identify the local organizations that, that try to, com- combat the crime, and then help the victims. Um, and there's the, the National Hotline for for Human Trafficking that answers the phone in a dozen different languages. So um, there are lots of people trying to help, but not enough.
0: <laughs> mm, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I know I, I you, you've inspired me to take action. Now, we're, we're kind of off the list, list off the shelf listeners get a copy of your books?
1: Okay, they can, um, there are links to the books on my website, or you can go to Amazon.com. Um, and like I say, Harem Slave has been translated into French, German, and Spanish. So if these are the languages you prefer, you can order it in those languages. Um, but they are available on Amazon.com, and there are links on my on my website.
0: Oh my goodness. You know, and thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for what you're doing. Where can people find you online? And then I wanted to ask you if you had any upcoming speaking engagements that you could share with us.
1: Well, um I'm online at nancyherbal.com as you kindly pointed out a little while ago. I I do send out a newsletter sporadically um and if you want to sign up for that you can you send me an email and I'll add you to the the mailing list and this as you mentioned this is my 735th radio interview in 30 in more than 30 countries now um and I I have another dozen interviews already scheduled so um the the last one before this was in Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, <laughs> and I have another one coming up in Singapore. That will be at 1 o'clock in the morning, my time.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, but what a message. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Well, oh, my goodness. It, you well, know, sometimes it just, take one, it just takes one. Thank sometimes you so much. Person, yeah, to keep pushing. Yeah. To, 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 and it can take sometimes years. To keep pushing yeah it's to... an uphill
1: battle it's an uphill battle but but um thank you so much for having me on your show tonight it is it, it's another opportunity to help you get the word out and you know what maybe we may have saved a life today that's all that oh
0: going. oh my goodness well, we want to thank nancy nancy hartwell for being with us what an amazing, amazing uh, woman she she is! Just absolutely amazing. She's visited forty-four countries. BBC has produced her radio plays and books that Nancy has authored include "Voices from the Harem," Prince, Abraham's favorite, and "Harem Slave." She's at her, her works are on Amazon, and "Harem Slave" was number one of all fiction books on Amazon. It been been uh translated into different languages. And Nancy, I encourage you to visit her online at N A N C Y H A R T W E L L dot com. Nancy Hartwell dot com. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you for being flexible for moving from Saturday to Friday. Maybe <laughs> this was a blessing. Maybe this was a blessing. We shall see. So thank no. you so much and thank you for what you shared <laughs> okay. and and thank, thank you, you to sweetheart. God bless you. And thank you to each of our guests. Nancy, I'll shoot you an email to our guests. I'll see you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. on regular (laughs) time. When this show finishes streaming, listeners, please share it with everyone you know. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Okay.